I do not believe it takes a village to raise a child. I believe it takes a church in a village to raise a child. And boy, do we need each other. And we need, we need spiritual moms and dads and brothers and sisters to bear the load of caring for each other. And, you know, really, we're not dedicating a baby so much as we're dedicating mom and dad. Because it's the, the daily decisions that mom and dad make that are really going to determine the, uh, the course of this child's life. So it's a big, big deal. Um, would you look at this, Archer, Chapin, Derek? How cool is that? And, and those little suspenders. I mean, come on, man. This guy, this guy's awesome. He's, he's going to be hunting and fishing with Papa, is what I think he's going to be doing. Yeah, and uh, oh, Renly, beautiful. That is the bow to end all bows right there. <laughs> there it is, people. Now, I thought Becca put some big bows, um, but no, no, that's, that's it. That's awesome. She, she's beautiful. And, and then we have a manly man child. Yeah. James Corson. Yes. <clears throat> May he be hairy-legged like his father. Yes. Manly man. That's a big deal to me because I, I've lived in a, in a sorority house basically my entire life. So when I see a man be like, and speaking of men, look at this. By the way, that's Edmund Jack. How cool is that to have Jack in your name? So, and he's already mountain climbing. Isn't that a beautiful view of Pinnacle Mountain? Isn't that great? Just kidding. That's not Pinnacle Mountain. Just kidding. So that's a real cool place. Um, and then look at this. Cassidy Jane Statler. Absolutely precious. Precious, precious kids. So here's what we want to do. Um, I want to ask all the, all the moms and dads and those babies to come up. And we'll just line up here in the front. And, uh, and it's okay if it's a little... A little crowded. We'll we'll uh, we'll make Romy push the seats back and uh, come on up here. There we go. Yeah. Move toward the middle just a bit. There we go. Yeah. So thank you all so much. Here comes, here comes. Well, hello. Yeah, yeah. So, um, just by way of introduction, I want to read from 1 Samuel 1, which is one of the most beautiful uh, sections of the Bible that deal with the idea of dedicating a child to see a child as a gift from God. And that when Hannah's prayer was finally answered, after heartbreaking years of waiting, she finally has a child, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So here's my question, Christchurch. Do you promise, do you commit with me and this whole church to devote yourselves to praying for these families, these couples and these babies, to help them raise their kids to know God and to live in the love and grace of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit? Do you do, you do that? You promise with me we do? Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Um, moms and dads. 
wow, this is a beautiful moment, right? We follow Jesus. This is why we do this. We're not here for social points. We do this because of Jesus Christ. So moms and dads, parents, do you promise to devote yourselves to Jesus and raise your children to know God and live in the love and grace of Jesus through his Holy Spirit? Beautiful. Parents, do you promise to not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord Jesus? Beautiful, beautiful. Here's what I want to do. Um, uh, grandparents, family, can you stand in support of, of uh, your family and these, these babies? Can you stand? Yeah, what we want to do now, I want to ask the dads to place your hand on your baby and, and pray, just privately pray for a minute, asking God to bless this child. Please do that right now. Yeah. I want to pray and bless now too. Abba Father, these precious kids, God, in the name of Jesus, bless them. Um, I pray that they would know you at an early age and they would follow you and that by your grace you'd spare them from the unnecessary junk that, that's going that's to challenge them. And that they know the grace of having a mom and dad that loves each other, mom and dad that loves them. And that it completely in keeping with your word, that your peace, the peace of Jesus would be on their home. Your grace in their hearts and your love at their table. Bless these kids, please. Bless these men to be spiritual leaders. Bless these moms to nurture, to be patient and kind, to raise these children to love you. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've got a, a Bible to give you guys. Uh, um, you got a pretty good chance. That's good. There we go. And Archer, which is so awesome. And then Edmund. Hey, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Um, going right to Grandpa. And listen, we love those cry- those tears. That is that is a good thing. Don't be trolled by that. So. Uh, what's really fascinating is that Genesis 49 is the text today, which is all about blessing kids. And um, I want to I want to pray and ask God's favor over his word. Abba, Father, I love you. And thank you already for what you've, you've done in my heart through Genesis 49. And I ask for your grace to be right here, right now, not because of who I am but absolutely because of who you are. Bless in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right. I want to begin with a story, a true story from my life, and kind of drop that into this teaching on Genesis 49, and you'll see where I'm, you know, why I'm doing that. Um, I grew up without a dad for a lot of years. My bio dad, um, I consider to be one of the dangerous men I've ever met in my life. Not a good scene. My mom and dad finally divorced, which was the greatest thing that could have happened. And then uh, finally she remarried, and it was just this amazing, great story that uh, this man named Arthur Perry would be willing to date my mother with five kids and a whole lot of baggage. And God brought a lot of grace in that story. Well, um, so... My, my new adopted dad, by the way, I went through adoption and became, I went from Christopher Donald Barnett to Christopher Arthur Perry. No one is allowed to say Art or Artie at that point, or uh, I might become an angry little man. Just kidding. And so anyway, my, uh, my new stepdad was great, and he was great because he loved my mom. So done. He loves mom. How cool is that? Well, he wasn't really sure how to raise kids, you know, and he's a, kind of a Navy SEAL kind of guy, went through North Korea and was a UDT and all that stuff. So he's pretty hard, you know, hard driving kind of dude. He had a wave of hair pouring out the top of his T-shirt that really scared me. I didn't know that that could happen like a wave. But anyway, so um, he was a good man. And I was raised with, with four sisters and, and lacked a really good male role model. So he was the first guy. And I remember I automatically kind of want to be like him, want to be a carpenter and cut wood and nail nails and, and do all that stuff. And I ended up being a grunt, which means I would, uh, I'm a little guy, Matt, and I would have a cinder block in each hand and I would take them off the stack and I would feed the men who were doing the masonry work in these houses and they're laying cinder blocks. Uh, in New England, you had to have uh, full foundations and basements, so a lot of work and two by fours and and uh, plywood. I wasn't strong enough to do the sheetrock. That's some serious, you know, weight. So I was a grunt and learned quite a bit. Well, I decided I wanted to work on an engine and kind of figure engines out. And so I asked my dad, calling my dad, my stepdad, uh, is there a lawnmower motor that I could I could work on? Because you hear that men work on stuff. And I'm not sure what work on meant, but I thought, I want to work on a motor. So he said, okay. He got me a motor, gave me some open ends, box ends, and, and a couple tools. And uh, by the way, I do not have even remotely close the mechanical skill sets that, like, Ed Lowry, who's this Renaissance man that does everything, and, and all these things, and, and Brandon, you too. Oh, it's amazing talent, Justin Razdick. I don't have that. So uh, he sets the engine down on this bench, and there's some tools. Then he goes, okay, and he walks away. Okay, now I'm, I'm like 10, right? First of all, I can't break these bolts loose, all right, which means I'm already defeated, right, because I'm not strong enough. And real men are strong, by the way, in case you didn't know that. And I cannot break those bolts. So I finally go, uh, could you mind helping? So he breaks a couple bolts loose, gets it started for me. And walks away. So guess what happened? Guess what I learned about repairing lawnmower engines? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. I learned that you might break a few bolts loose and kind of slide them out and that's it. You know why? He never taught me. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Hold that thought. All right. He never taught me. You get it, Elise. Never taught me. All right. Genesis 49. 
Jacob is literally on his deathbed. All right, this is it. By the way, chapter 48, he dedicates this amazing uh, uh, section to blessing his son Joseph, by the way, whom he promotes to the honorable first position. And uh, now 49, he's going to bless all the boys. Jacob summoned his sons and said, assemble yourselves so that I may tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Can you imagine a prophetic moment with your dad? Sitting down at the table and saying, Dad, tell me my future. And he goes, okay. You're an idiot. (laughs) For the rest of your life, an idiot thou shalt be. Well, okay, gee, that's a hard one. Or, wow, you're an amazing son. You're so smart. And you will live your life out doing smart things. Can you imagine that tender moment, you know? Uh, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what's going to happen to you. Wow. A prophetic moment with dad. How cool is that? Uh, Gather together and listen, sons of Jacob. Yes, listen to Israel, your father. And then right out of the gate, the firstborn son, Reuben, you're my firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power. But you are uncontrollable as water. And you shall not have preeminence. You will not have that anymore. Because you went to your father's bed and you defiled your father's couch. Jacob is calling out a radical sin that Reuben committed. Okay. Now there's a lesson in that. Look at the next, next sundown. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. May my soul not enter into their council, and may my glory not be united with their assembly. Jacob just said, I'm not going to listen to anything my boys say. Whatever opinion my two sons have, I'm going to ignore it. Whoa, can you imagine hearing that from your dad? Son, whatever you got to say, I'm going to, I'm turning my ears. I don't even want to hear it. May my soul not enter into their council, for in their anger, they killed men. Murder. Dozens of dozens of men were brutally murdered. And in their self-will, they even lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger. By the way, can I just say angry, angry people typically get lonely? Can I just, quick comment there. Angry people get lonely, all right? And their wrath for it is cruel. Verse 8, ah. By the way, it's parents, it's okay to call out your kids' sins. Ouch. It's okay to call out your kids' sins. Do you think it's good parenting if you don't? Why? How, how are they going to know? Yeah. Where's the standard? How do you raise the standard you know, in your home? But not, verse 8. As for you, Judah. Wow, Judah. Your brothers shall praise you. Your hands shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah's a lion cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, he lies, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion who dares to stir him up. By the way, Isaiah, my little grandson, loves to be a Bengal tiger. And when he, he goes around, he rolls his shoulders, you know, just like a tiger would, you know. And he does his little tiger paws to his sisters. Hilarious, he thinks. But then now he's Spider-Man, so it changes. You don't know who he's going to be. Verse 10, the scepter will not depart from Judah. Wow, this guy's got some authority. Nor the ruler's staff. 
between his feet. Now, this is a prophecy. Listen to this. Until Shiloh comes and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Do you know who that's a reference to? Jesus. Through Judah. Until Shiloh comes. In Hebrew, Shiloh means tranquility, peace. The one who brings rest. He ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine and his teeth white from milk. Does that sound bad? <laughs> drunkenness in the Bible. Uh-oh, we have a sin of drunkenness. I'm not mocking. I'm, 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 I, want, I want to enjoy the moment. What do you think he's talking about? Washing garments in wine and grape juice? And having lots of wine to drink and your teeth are white with milk? What's that a sign of? The blood. A what? The blood. blood, certainly. Blood of a grape, but what? Satisfaction. Prosperity. You look, you read the prophets when Israel was blessed, her vats overflowed with new wine. It's a blessing, sign of blessing, abundance. By the way, in, in Israel's peak, Israeli wine was one of the coveted wines uh, at the time, by the way. Uh, 13, Zebulun will reside at the seashore and he shall be a harbor for ships and his flanks shall be toward Sidon. Ishkar is a strong donkey. Now this is interesting what he says, Ishkar, strong donkey, Lying down between the sheepfolds when he saw uh, that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. Okay? It's like, hey, I'm tired. Look, a place to rest. Ah, I get to rest. Watch what happens when you rest too much. He bowed his shoulder to carry burdens and became a slave at forced labor. If you're a lazy man, be careful. You probably end up going to be a slave to something. Dan will judge his people. By the way, Dan, Daniel means judge. Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned viper in the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider falls backwards. For your salvation, I wait, O Lord. Sounds really scary. Basically, it's military language. This guy is a military tactician. He knows how to conceal. He knows how to strike. Guerrilla warfare, which became pretty popular in Israeli culture at times. 19, as for Gad, a band of raiders shall attack him, but he will attack at their heels. He's going to learn to fight back. By the way, quick comment. Um, please appreciate what I'm about to tell you. It's okay to fight for yourself. Okay? It's okay to fight back. Don't misunderstand me, and, and, and I know sometimes I'm easily misunderstood. You know, Jesus would say, you know, if someone slaps you on this cheek, what do you do? Okay. And how do you treat your enemies? Love them. Da, da, da. And what does Paul say? Be kind. And Paul gives us, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, all these wonderful qualities that make a man a man and a woman a woman of God. Absolutely. But you know what? When Jesus stood face to face with the Pharisees and they slapped him on his cheek, what did he do? Back. He slapped right back. Maddie, you nailed it. He did. You snakes, you vipers, you whitewashed tombs. Jesus knew how to throw the punch. There's nothing wrong with fighting with, for yourself and standing up for the truth. Nothing wrong with it, okay? Please appreciate that. Paul, did he do that? Patch, when someone attacked his apostolic credentials, oh, he'd come unglued. Yeah, it's okay. To speak the truth, do the loving motive, 
But learn how to throw a punch. Learn how to fight back, okay? This is right here. He will attack at three heels. 20, as for Asher. Now there's a manly name, Asher. His food shall be rich and he will yield royal delicacies. This guy has the best cooking show in all of Israeli culture. <laughs> hmm. Okay, little prophetic there thing. Okay, little prophecy going on, Caleb. Um, Naphtali. This one's really hard to translate. ESV people, get ready. Naphtali is a doe let loose. <coughs> he utters beautiful words. ESV is going to say, uh, like streams that branch out. Really hard to translate from Hebrew. The idea is branching out of streams, branching out of antlers that fork and, and branch out, or words that branch out. Okay, you pick the one that's gonna that's really gonna move you forward. Yes, sir. I think the branches looks like in the ESV that it's for Joseph, not Naphtali. It says in the ESV that bears beautiful fawns. Yes. Yes, that, yeah, that's right. That's ESV. Another one was branches like a stream. But yeah, um, um, really fascinating language, really hard to translate. Um, and then there's a shifting to Joseph. Now remember, Joseph has already been blessed, but here it comes again. Joseph is a fruitful branch, a fruitful branch by a spring. Its branches hang over a wall. The archers, this is interesting. The archers provoked him and shot at him and were hostile toward him. But his bow remained firm and his arms were agile. Who is shooting arrows at Joseph? His brothers. His brothers. His brothers. Wow. And they're all standing around him. <laughs> okay. From the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Boy, another reference to Jesus. From the God of your father who helps you. And by the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast, blessing of the womb, the blessings of your father have surpassed the blessing of my ancestors up to the furthest boundary of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the top of the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. Their dad said it. Dad said it. Validation. When he was a young teenager, 17-ish, and said, I just had this dream. Y'all are going to bow down to me. Huh, ain't that something? And of course, you know, the fights start. But Israel prophesies, you are the one distinguished among the brothers who shot at you. And then little Ben, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey, and in the evening, he divides the spoil. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, everyone, with the blessing appropriate to him. Quick comment, it's not appropriate to say some things to your kids, okay? Bless them with what is appropriate to them. Jacob dies. He then commanded them and said to them, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field by Machpelah, which is opposite Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought 
along the field from Ephron the Hittite as a burial site. There they buried Abraham with his wife, Sarah. There they buried Isaac with his wife, Rebekah. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it purchased from the sons of Heth. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet into his bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. He died. Wow. All right, a couple things. I want to turn it over to you. And uh, excited to hear from you. Men, um, I want to appeal to your heart, the heart of a man. Uh, a young man needs an older man to show them the way, to model good character, to model courage, to model dignity, to model the character that keeps a man from becoming lazy, that keeps a man from becoming a fool, that keeps a man from from committing sins like Reuben and Simeon and Levi that will destroy you for the rest of your life. Horrific things. Young men, boys certainly, need older men to show us the way, to walk with us. They long for that. Can you imagine having your dad square your shoulders, look you right in the eye, and say, I love you for who you are. Not just because you serve me or obey me when I ask you to cut the lawn or pick up the leaves or something like that. I love you for who you are. And I'm grateful for how hard you work. That is, that is so valuable. My mom, knowing that there was a dad deficit in me, did her best to make up for it. And, and I appreciate my mom. She's one of my heroes. Uh, exhausted, worn-out woman that she was with five kids all alone. And when she would see me work, you know, she'd say, she'd say, Chris, it makes me happy that you're not afraid to work. Now think about the angle of that. You're not afraid to work. What do you think that seeded in my brain? What do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> Need to find me some motivation. This is good. Working's good. Men work. But it's, but it's true, by the way, right? Chris, I'm proud. You're not afraid to work. I like that, yeah. Mom would say things like that that would help seed and plant an idea that I should have been watching from a man and didn't until later, until Arthur Perry came along. So, yeah, a, a, another comment. Did you notice much of the blessings had nothing to do with passivity? Do you appreciate that? Thou shalt sit in front of the TV and control the remote thereof. <laughs> and no ovary shall overpower the remote. It shall be in your hand, your scepter. It's your kingdom, your TV, your electronics. No woman will dominate the man king. Yeah. Thou shalt spend hours on your iPhone doing this. For this is what it means to be a man. Passivity is really not in this series of blessings at all. At all. It's like man up. Sword, bow, 
combat, strategy, work, sweat, farming, agriculture, livestock, hua, let's go. Let's go. Let's not sit around. Now, there certainly is a time for rest, and you get all that. I'm just telling you these blessings are serious. Um, I, I love logic. I'm, I'm not a math brain. Uh, it, uh, uh, we are not bankrupt at my house for one reason, and she's sitting right over there. All right? And I am not kidding you. Uh, I'm not a good money manager. I'd rather give it away and manage it. Um, I've learned something about logic. You know, if you aim at nothing, I mean, literally, if you aim at nothing, guess what? You hit it. You hit it. You know what these blessings do? Is giving their sons something to aim at. Even though maybe it's a tough bullseye. Our children need something to aim at. Right? Okay, quick counseling session. Ready? 30 seconds. All it's going to be. What do you do when your mom and dad are not modeling the ideal? And you're the son and daughter. What are you going to do? Rise up. Rise up. Why? Because it takes a church and a village. That's why. That's why. Psalm 2710. My mom, my dad, they forsake me. God's going to take me in. Let's go. Move on. Okay. You're the body of Christ. Twelve blessings, twelve sons. Two really intense. Very much about activity. Very much about doing the work of being a man, very much, about the future and hope. By the way, there was hope for Reuben and Simeon and Levi because they gave him a bullseye and said, huge price tag on this stuff, sons, but you can pull away. There's always hope. Okay. How do we pull it into our world today? This whole idea of raising sons. And by the way, of course, moms bless your daughters. Dads bless your daughters. Sure, sure, sure. Don't get tied up on the gender thing. But this is about men speaking to men, and we can't diminish that either. Chris, I've got something probably hard to say. Okay. Uh, for the older men in here, there are a lot of younger men in here that do not have fathers. Yeah, a lot. Right, that's it. Yeah. And, then, and that means because of death, absence and abandonment, being forsaken. Full spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone else, how do we own this thing? put practical hands and feet on it in our world today about godly men blessing younger men, blessing boys. What do you think? Yes, sir. I'd say going off of Michael's saying, um, just about people without fathers, it makes it even more important for those father figures to step into that role to have that bullseye statement for those kids. Because like you're talking about, you're having the trauma, you have the abandonment, you have extra things that they're going to be dealing with. They need that motivation to believe themselves to be the best version. So. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Daniel. That is really wise. Yeah. Because Jacob was on his deathbed, none of the things he was saying to his sons were going to affect his life at that point. Yeah. He said that five minutes later, he passed away. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Time, but oftentimes, as a father, I can speak to the fact that if I pour into my son's life, my knee-jerk reaction is, how is this going to make me look? And I need to get away from that. I need to be able to pour into my son's life and say these things clearly, cohesively, and let him make those choices, knowing that, for better or for worse, they're his choices. And they are they don't even affect my price esteem or self-esteem. At the same time, I don't need to live vicariously through these choices. 
Yeah. And to trust God and the wisdom that he gives me for him, I trust that my son is going to hear that and continue to be reinforced and know that his choices do not need to be a direct or an indirect reflection of, of me. Uh, I don't need to place value in my son's decisions. Yeah. So, so in other words, is Jacob a total failure because of what Reuben and uh, Simeon and Levi did? No. 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 Yeah. Janice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah. So thank you. By the way, okay, Janice, this is pre-law. Moses, Moses hadn't hit the scene yet, right? So the Torah has not been written, right? The law. So it's before that. Um, and I, you, I have so many parents that come to me in clinic or just at, from a pastor's perspective that have guilt because they think they sinned, you know, ten years ago, and now they've started this generational curse. It's going to roll down through the generations and God's going to punish the grandkids, great-grandkids, and the great-great-grandkids because something they did 10 years ago, something in college. And, and I go, okay, I get that's exactly what Exodus 20 says. It literally is. But guess what it says in Ezekiel 18? Anybody know? Anybody having your quiet time? Thank you. What does it say in Ezekiel 18? About the new covenant. What's that? It's when they break that curse. The kids will not. Yes. The kids will not yes. You've been having your quiet time, Andrew. Thank you very much. So, exactly. No longer will it be said in Israel that the father will eat sour grapes and the kid's teeth are set on edge. That's the proverb. That proverb is not going to say anymore in Israel. In other words, I'm not going to punish the kids for dad's mistakes. The curse is broken. Pat, you nailed it. Yeah. A good dad can have bad kids. Yes, the the and and if the blessing it may reduce to such a remnant that it's just the bloodline, because when you look at these twelve these twelve sons, and when the the birth rate goes off the charts here in just a little bit, right, and they become this massive multi million, you know, people group right outside of uh, Egypt's borders, and they start the migration to the promised land. Does it go sideways or what? And then you track that all through the history, the ups and downs of Israeli faith in, in the mess of their history. It's very, very complex. And yet, and I know you know this, Janice, God from the foundation of the world ordained that his son would come through the tribe of Judah as a lamb, spotless, unblemished, sinless, and be unjustly condemned, falsely accused, crucified, and sacrificed for the sins of the, of, of the world. Not just Israel, but the world. And God knew that. And that's why this matters. And that's why this blessing matters. Of the, of, was for 10 generations. 
Well, there's actually multiple curses, multiple measurements. It's typically third and fourth in Exodus 20, but there's other but other the metrics. Of the curse, wasn't there a longer time put on that, that? That there was greater blessing in the breaking of the curse than there was curse in the. That's good, Edie. The revisiting of yeah. disobedience. I'm not, my, my brain concordance is not pulling it up, but I do know this. The prophet, the prophet promises that he will, God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. The cursed years can be restored as though they never happened. Which is, boy, that's the heart of God. Uh, isn't that the heart of God? In this, in this lineage, because we know the rest of the story. Yes. See, Levi didn't get an especially great blessing. No, no. Judah got a really, really long Yes. Really great. Who was their mom? Was she loved? Yes. No, she was not the loved one. Oh, you're talking about Leah. Yes, yes, yes. I'm and sorry. She was not the loved one. So, yeah, you know, yeah. They probably didn't get the, the best kind of attention. Yes, yeah. But yeah. If right now, if we could look and say, who were the two greatest used ones? Yeah, Ben and Levi. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yes. Was a Levi. The priests. Yeah, yes, you know, the priest, yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> isn't it amazing? It's a mess, isn't it? It's mess or messy. I should say it's messy. Yeah. And you know what? Um, we scientific Americans think, and this is my opinion, do what you want with it, that if I could just do it perfectly, no flaws, no mistakes, nothing, then somehow the blessings of God break out and, and all is well. Right? And boy, is that not true. Okay. Let's wrap it up with this. Um, at Christ Church, we follow a model based on Acts 2.42 where we begin with teaching, we move toward uh, this idea of fellowship is what we're, what we're doing right now, which isn't uh, about the Razorbacks. We're not about Razorbacks and grandkids and congeal salad and potato salad. It's not that kind of fellowship. Uh, it's literally taking ownership of each other. For example, I'm going to put a little pressure on you. If you guys have hearts attuned to God's voice this morning. Do you realize what Michael Bortowski just said a while ago? Now, what are you older men going to do about it? What are you going to do? Forget that it was said and walk out of here to go get your meal as quick as possible? That's fellowship. We start owning and caring for each other and our needs. That being the case, what are we going to do? We're going to break bread. That's worship. We'll sing. We're going to break bread. And then lastly, we're going to pray. Now, do you realize that when it's the time, we're done and it's time to get in small groups, men, older men, you could go up, put your hand on the shoulder 
of a young man and you could say, you could give him a target and you could say something like this. You know what I see in you? I see kindness in you. Thank you for being kind. And that'll go deep. That'll go deep. I had uh, couples that see me, uh, individuals, uh, but couples, the marriage is really bad at the breaking point. And I had one couple say, Chris, I got the feeling that we're not going to be that miracle couple, you know, that makes the cover of Family Life magazine (laughs) or Jim Dobson focused on the Family Magazine and like the couple that was on the verge of the worst divorce ever, but God intervened. You know, God did the big miracle. He parted the Red Sea and behold, our marriage is saved. Woohoo! You know, that super couple that it looked like all doom and gloom. He goes, Chris is bad. I don't think we're going to make it. I go, okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's give it a go. And uh, last Thursday, uh, they were in my office and I had the privilege of listening to them crying as they're telling the child, we're moving back in together. We're going to be a family again. How cool is that? Amen. Yeah. Now, guess what? When that was over, I looked him in the eye and I, I looked him in the eye and I said, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. This guy's up here. I said, you have acted like a man. You have forgiven. You have loved. You have chosen to do the good and right thing. And you know what he did? He started bawling. Give a man a target. Speak truth and grace into the depth of his heart. And it'll change him. By the way, that's true for a little girl too. Absolutely. Okay. So when it comes to the prayer time, and we're kind of hanging and chilling. And by the way, we don't have to circle up in holy huddles and act like we're monks praying. Which would be cool to do that, and I want that. But if you're just if you're just slapping backs and you're talking, and some young guy looks up to you and says, "Hey, hey, how you doing? Good, good to see you." You know, can you read the cues? Come on, guys, read the cues. You know what's going on. And at that moment, I don't want you to stop and pray. I want you to look into his eyes, and I want you to read his heart, and I want you to give him hope. I want you to bless him. That's what I want you to do. Make sense? And then you pray. And you get in your holy home. Okay. Let me pray God's blessings over you. Lord, um, thank you for this church. Um, thank you for the grace that it brings to me. I am such an unworthy man. And yet I am the object of your love and grace. And I just want to say thank you. You're my sanity. And you anchor me with faith, hope, and love. I pray the very same thing for everybody that's here. Thank you for the moms and dads, grandparents that are here to support their kids, grandkids. What a gift. Thank you for little Renly. Thank you that Renly's got Daniel and Anna as mom and dad. Anna loves that baby girl. And, and Daniel's so proud. Daniel's a dad. God, that's beautiful. And I see it. Thank you for Ryan Statler. Ryan is, he's a man's man. Lord, I bless Ryan. He's a man who can think ahead. He's a man that sees the contingencies. He's a planner. He's a thinker. He's a protector. Thank you that Edmund Jack and Cassidy Jane get to be protected by Ryan. And thank you for Justin Rasnick. Mmm. Mmm. Good heart. 
smart, but so kind and so tender, brilliant, courageous, tough. And man, what a servant. What a kind servant. Lord, Ben Derek, your gentle shepherd, your caregiver, the one who's patient, shows the fruit of the spirit, patient, kind, gentle, loves Kayla. Thank you that Archer, thank you that Olive, get Ben to be their daddy. What a gift. God bless these men, please. Bless us all. Abba, Father, lift your face up on us. Let your countenance literally shine on us like the sun. And would you give us your peace? I'm asking now in Jesus' name, amen.